Welcome to the Waiting Warriors podcast. I'm Michelle Bowler. I'm an army wife of over eight years, a mom of four little girls, and a huge believer that being a supportive military or first responder loved one is way easier when you connect with the community. In addition to sharing some of my own insights and journey, I have set out to interview Waiting Warriors around the world so we can all learn together from their triumphs and their struggles. Together, we can do so much more than just survive. We can thrive. And that is what being a waiting warrior is all about. Hey, Waiting Warriors out there. Welcome to another very special week on the Waiting Warriors podcast. My name is Michelle Bowler. I'm your host. And today we have Kristen Christie. Welcome to the show, Kristen. Thank you so much. Thanks for the opportunity. Of course. So this um, episode will be the first of September Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month series on the podcast. So just warning for everybody listening, that's what we're talking about. Kristen has been deeply affected by suicide. Um so if you need tissues, I just, anytime I have like suicide or a, um, a gold star family member, I just feel like I should warn you guys, like you can grab your tissues now if you would like. Um, so yes, I'll, I'll kind of introduce Kristen fully um, in a minute. But before I do, I the first question I kind of want to ask is um, if you would be willing to kind of talk about the verbiage of suicide people it's um i think most commonly heard as committed suicide but i know and but maybe it's just because we're kind of like you know my husband's a chaplain so we're kind of in the mental health sphere it's they're trying to shift it to completed suicide but some people you know don't like that they like it where so i i would like to respect you and where you're comfortable but also hear your point of view you are in this world of, of what does mean to you? so i know some people it's it's a very sensitive subject so i really appreciate you asking and i know other people do for me um i i was an athlete in high school and i committed to a college for my scholarship. Okay. So for me, my frame of reference is, um, you know, a scholarship committing to a school. I live here in Colorado Springs and we get information on our Twitter feeds and social media about cadets or high school graduates who are committing to go to the Air Force Academy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, committed suicide, it, it doesn't register as like committing a crime. Uh, I know that a lot of people are trying to navigate toward completed suicide or died by suicide. Um, but for me, it, it truly doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Just thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for expanding because I know it means different things to different people. And I want to, I want to respect your come from. So the proper introduction, Christy is the owner of Sorry, Kristen. Kristen is the owner of Kristen Christie LLC, co-founder and president of NV3 founder um, or foundation, which is a veteran nonprofit. 
and the creator of National Resilience Day, which is um, March 4th and Conquer, which I love so much. Um, she was married to her first husband who died by suicide after 17 years of marriage. And I do kind of want to just say he was a lieutenant colonel. Like I know a lot of people just don't, again, just to kind of talk about and break stereotypes or whatever. Um, and now is married to an Air Force reservist. She has two sons, a 27-year-old uh, who has been missing for over five years. Sorry. Um, and then a 25-year-old who's a government employee at Air Edwards Air Force Base. I'm sorry. I did not mean to. No, no. So, so Michelle, I, I just, um, there is no apology necessary. Mm -hmm. I think we grieve over things. Um, we all have a different frame of reference. We've all gone through tests in our life. But grieving is a product of loving. Yeah. And, and joy. Um, so I, I try not to apologize anymore when I start tearing up because that just means I'm empathetic and you're empathetic. So thank you for being empathetic with me. <laughs> I just cannot, I cannot imagine. And I don't want to like totally jump to the end of your story. Cause I know your whole story is like confusing for, um, everyone else. So if you would, um, Guys, if you couldn't tell, Kristen's amazing. She's incredible. Just the things, the things that she has done throughout her whole life, but also just what, even if you just take um, the last 10 years now, am I right? 10 years of her life, um, the amount of trials and heartache that she has been through is um, astounding, but also like, terrifying to think that one soul could have to go through that and yet you've gone through that and created so many amazing incredible things that help um countless others particularly our military community that suffers so much so i i am like truly honored Aww. that you are here um, um but if you wouldn't mind if and because i know you're just like a you're an incredible storyteller at and powerful at it. If you would tell us our story, I'd be greatly honored. Uh, absolutely. Um, so I grew up in the Air Force. So the only way of life I've known is Air Force or military because we lived on joint bases okay. uh, growing up. We moved every two years. I was fortunate enough to be a Far Eastern brat and a European brat and a U.S. brat. Uh, and loved it because I'm an uber extrovert. I love meeting people and the new cultures. Um, and so when I went off to college at the University of Texas in Austin, I graduated from Wiesbaden, uh, the DOD high school in, in Wiesbaden, Germany, 156 students are in my senior class, off to the largest university in 1985. I mean, largest university population-wise. Okay. So 
I needed to find my community and where did I feel most comfortable? And that was at the ROTC building. Um, I did not join the military myself and I wish I could have. Uh, unfortunately, I had a massive stroke in high school oh, wow. and had to learn to walk again. That's a whole nother story. Oh. <laughs> but my, my silver lining came from that. So this is natural. I get that question a lot, but it is natural. I didn't do it on purpose. Mm -hmm. um, so I hung out at the RTC building and one thing led to another and I went to a party and there was one person in the room I didn't know and it bothered me being an uber extrovert. I need to know everyone. And I went up right up to him and I said, hi, I'm Kristen Anderson. And he said, hi, I'm Don Christie. We can never get married. And I'm like, and Adam, like, <laughs> pickup line is that? <laughs> and he looked at me and he said, you would be Kristen Christie. Well, five months later, we were engaged. <laughs> uh, he was in Air Force ROTC. Uh, so very comfortable. We just had a lot of fun together and we were looking forward to the new chapters in life. And he was a missileer, so we went up to Grand Forks, North Dakota. Great place to raise our, our start our family and raise our kids. And um, our we were there for four years and then moved to Colorado Springs. And we had our second son, Ben, here in Colorado Springs. And uh, we were here a few years and he came home from active duty and he said, you know, I'm thinking about getting out of the military. My career is not going the way I want it to. And I, you would have thought my world was ending. <laughs> I'm so used to having that ID card. Yeah. You know, for those brats out there, when you turn 10 years old, yeah. I mean, you are so excited to get that ID card. You wear it around your neck. Um, I went to the shop at as soon as we got home and made them card me. <laughs> Like I do now, <laughs> I make them card me. Um, but uh, it it was really a shock. And he said, he explained the reserve part, the okay. reserve component. And it truly was the best of both worlds is the way we felt about it. Um, and he was a traditional reservist, had a civilian job and, and all that. And then they really needed him to start the reserve space program here in Colorado Springs uh, in the the, early, the late 90s. Mm -hmm. And so he went full time. Well, back then, you could kind of homestead yeah. in the reserve. You didn't have to move around to get promoted and things like that. So we built a custom home. Wow. We were raising our two boys. We figured Colorado Springs was it. As long as he promised me we could still travel overseas. <laughs> I missed that part. So we were planning on staying in Colorado Springs for his entire career. Mm -hmm. And then of course things changed. He became a squadron commander, which is like a battalion in the army, okay. you know, about 300 people. Um, and he came home one day and said, I have been tasked with getting volunteers for deployment to Baghdad. And he did not feel right asking for volunteers unless his name was at the top of the list. And and I, I still remember that day he came home and it was almost like he was asking my permission, but I knew that <laughs> he had to go regardless. Um, but then I knew that he was a true leader because a manager or supervisor says go and a true leader says, let's go. And he said, let's go by saying, my name has to be at the top of the list. Mm -hmm. He was the only one chosen. 
And in 2004, he went to Baghdad. We knew that he was second in command at the Baghdad airport. We didn't hear much other than that. He really did not share what he, he did there. We would email him at night. The boys and I would email him at night. And by the time we got up in the morning, we would have an email back from him most days. We didn't have Skype back then. Yeah. And he came back after four and a half months. And we had heard about Toby Keith taking a nap on his couch when he was going through for a USO tour and meeting the, the Secretary of Defense on the flight line, you know, any of the DVs that come through, but really nothing else. But he came back different. We hear it a lot, don't we, Michelle? Yeah. Um, we hear it pre-deployment, during deployment, those meetings that we have with our SFRG or our mm -hmm. Airmen and Family Readiness, um, things to watch out for and, and all. And he came home and I communicated with him and I said, I'm not gonna give you the finances back right away. I'm not gonna throw things at you now that you're home. We're gonna have some transition and some um, some family time and all. But there was still something, there was still something off. And I think I was just so close to it that sometimes we have our blinders on as family members. Yeah, yeah. Um, his fingernails were bitten down to the nubs. He was an introvert, but still, he was more reserved than typical. Wasn't sleeping very well. One of the, the things we joked about that he brought back from Baghdad was aromatherapy. <laughs> so he would go smoke a cigar oh. on the back patio. That was his aromatherapy. Oh. <sighs> I dealt with it. Yeah. outside um so we tried to communicate and i knew something was wrong and uh, you've had corey weathers on before in her book and that's exactly what we call we called those things that we couldn't talk about sacred spaces mm -hmm. and it was before her book i mean it just happened to be but that phrase is so true yeah. and it wasn't clearance related that he couldn't talk to me about or anything like that it just he couldn't verbalize but I knew something was wrong. Then we got the opportunity to go to Carlisle Barracks for Army War College. Okay. And I thought, okay, this is a great time because my family, when uh, my dad was in the Air Force, we went to Air War College. And I remember that year, those 11 months, is just a great opportunity for our family. And I thought, okay, this is the time where we become a family again and really have that respite time. Mm -hmm. And it was a good year, but there was still, still something off. So I started going to therapy okay. when we were at Carlisle. We were supposed to move to Washington, D.C. He was supposed to have a follow-on at the Pentagon. So we had sold that custom home okay. in Colorado Springs. We figured, okay, the reserve has changed its M.O. And we are moving and, and things like that. And about six weeks before we moved to D the D.C. area, they said, no, we need you back in Colorado Springs. So we were gone for 11 months. We moved back. Our house was not available. I asked if we could buy the house back. <laughs> if you don't ask, the answer is always no. If you ask, you have a chance. If you have a chance, take it. If it changes your life or someone else's life, let it. <laughs> so... Um, 
we bought a new house. We got embedded in a new neighborhood and community in Colorado Springs. But our friends, their lives had gone on for 11 months without us. Yeah. And we yeah. come back in and uh, it was a hard adjustment, not so much for the kids, Ryan and Ben, we had two boys, but um, for the two of us, it was. Um, so four years after Don went on his deployment, uh, the coroner showed up at my house. He was three days from pinning on Colonel. Um, and he had taken his life. Our boys were 14 and 12 at the time. Um, I remember, it's been 12 years, Michelle, and I remember so clearly, so clearly, the glaze in my boy's eyes um and, and you talked about in the beginning you know it, it suicide does not discriminate yeah. it, it truly yeah. doesn't i've seen comments from our videos people said well he was an officer life was good that's not the that doesn't pertain to me and i'm like how good was his life if he ended up taking his own life yeah yeah I, it, that just shows you that it's not the typical. What we did not realize and did not know, and I truly think that this is what got to the core of it, was being second in command of the Baghdad airport, he was in charge of the human remains. Oh. He made sure that each one of those casualties had a dignified and respectful transport home to their loved ones. And I think it weighed so heavily on him that he couldn't talk about it. Yeah, yeah. He, he was not at the end of the trigger. You know, it, he sat behind a desk. You do not have to be a combat vet. You do not have to be in the military you, to, ha to have PTS. Yeah, yeah. So the aftermath is what I talk about in my presentations and my training. Mm -hmm. Because I don't think we hear enough about that. Um, and it took me 10 years before mm -hmm. I could talk about it. Because I know that you've had other people on your podcast that have talked about this. There's guilt, there's shame. Um, and I've, I've come to learn that even though I felt guilty at the time, it wasn't really guilt because what I did I feel like the definition of guilt is you do something wrong that you know is wrong, mm -hmm. but regret is when you did the best that you could, not realizing you did the best that you could without realizing what the outcome could be. Yeah, yeah. And I use our past story to help other people understand. Some people call suicide very selfish. And I've come to realize that I think when you're in that darkness, and it could be just for a few minutes, when you're in that darkness, 
you aren't thinking just of yourself. It's not, it, it, it's, it's the voices in your head that are telling you you're, you're a burden. You want to make things better for everyone else. Um, sometimes it is you, you want to stop the pain that you're feeling. Um, uh, you mentioned our oldest son, Ryan, he's 27. He has been missing for 1,948 days today. September 20th of 2015 is the last day I saw him. Um, the suicide triggered bipolar in him early. He was 16 when he was diagnosed. Um, I'm a woman of faith. I stand on a firm foundation. I'm a daughter of the king. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And I fully, fully believe that we go through adversities and that builds perseverance. And perseverance builds character and character builds hope. There is hope. Hope stands for hold on, pain eases. It doesn't end, it eases. And I want to challenge your listeners and your viewers, whose capital E are you? You help ease the pain for someone else and someone else helps ease the pain for you. Hope also stands for help one person every day. I love, that. I love that. If you can think about that, the hope by helping one person every day could be the hope of hold on pain eases. But we don't know the battles that people are waging in their life. We wear, you know, social media. We put our, our A game on social media. And those people who are brave enough to put their not so good days on social media, you'll see a lot of the comments and it turns people off and it shouldn't. That should bring us, magnetize us as a community in to help each other out. Mm -hmm. That is, that's so important, but we were not made to do life alone. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So that isolation, you see a lot of people that are surrounded by people and they're still lonely. They don't have that connection. And, and how do we get that connection? After my presentation, I get some questions. How, how do we get the millennials and the younger generation, the globals, to take the, the ear, earbuds out, to stop being connected and really get connected? Mm -hmm. And I they are connected they with their ear pods on or as they're playing games they're connected let's teach them how to connect one-on-one -on -one humanly with each other while they're connected technology wise mm -hmm. you know when they start to play a game why don't they say hey how's school going or how's work going yeah. hey you talked about your mom last time how's she do it you know it's it's interjecting that and having that interpersonal relationship, even if it's over Zoom or half a world away. Yeah. It's being that ease of pain for somebody. Mm -hmm. And helping them out, helping one person every day, yeah. every day. It's not a whole lot to ask. And the beauty is that that one person 
feels so wonderful when you reach out to them and then you feel wonderful so it's really two people yeah but htpe doesn't really <laughs> help two people every day that is good of an acronym. another acronym <laughs> um but i think as we go through adversities and it doesn't have to be suicide it doesn't it, we talked about adversity big a and little a right mm -hmm. suicide is a big a miscarriage is a, a big a divorce is a big a a flat tire most people will think little a you know um spilling coffee on your outfit before you go for a job interview which i've done before oh, no. yeah, in the scheme of things little a but it's not a comparison it's pain level when you go to the doctor they give you that little smiley face to sad face and they say what's your pain level one through 10. We've all experienced a 10 out of 10. It's all relative, but we have empathy. So I, I call myself the, um, the human support or the, um, I call myself the emotional support human, <laughs> like an emotional support pet or service animal. I'm the service human. I want to come alongside because I've learned lessons that I, I think I can help tutor people through the lessons that they're learning already. Yeah. And it sets my soul on fire, girl. I want to take some of that emotional pain from people if I can and help be their biggest cheerleader and and let them know that they can do it and that they are resilient but they don't have to do it alone yeah how do you how do you get to to this place that you have been through so much like you you lost your husband you um you know but like just losing your husband that had huge implications on on your everyday life and your income and where you lived and how you lived, but then also with your sons that dramatically affect your sons where one, you don't, you know, you have not had contact with for years. Like the world would say you have every right to be bitter and to be um, swallowed up and to, um, hate suicide's not the right but like to be angry and yet you speak with a smile on your face you live with an excellent exclamation point in your life which we'll tell that story in a second or you can tell it right now like how do you how do you get to that point literally the exclamation so point. yes yes my 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 exclamation point <laughs> so michelle it's been 12 years since yeah. Don's suicide i was angry i was bitter i was um grieving i did not want to be a mother i did not want that responsibility of trying to care for these two boys when i am torn apart and going through so many different emotions i didn't want to get out of bed and there were some days that I didn't, and the boys missed school mm -hmm. because I couldn't get my butt out of bed. 
and I wanted to be in a fetal position. And sometimes I did, and it's okay. But I had people that came alongside and said, we are going to help you. You are not alone in this. You know, a few years later, my, my oldest son was going to homecoming. Did I know how to tie a tie? No. But we had people, we had male figures, not father figures, but male figures in their life that would come alongside and, and help them in that regard. I cannot be a mother and a father. No one can. And so when we had people that offered to help, I had a whole list already of things that they could help because you've been on the other side of that, right? When, when you see someone hurting and you're like, let me know if there's anything I can do, especially, you know, being um, a, a chaplain spouse and all that, you yeah. all are a team and you deal with that. So, so have a list ready or more importantly, you, when a friend is grieving, you have a list ready of things that maybe they would need. And so they have a list handy when people say, I, can I do this? Yeah. Um, we just went through a, a good friend passed away, not a suicide, but I've been staying with the family. I've been helping them with the funeral arrangements. I've been, and so we've been getting, well, if there's anything I can do. So that's when I help them shoot up. Well, you can scan the pictures to do the PowerPoint at the funeral. And how about you do the thank you notes that the family can sign for the meals? Why don't you do a meal train? Meal train. The best time to figure that stuff out is when you're in a good place. Yeah. But I did not do all of that alone. Yes, I was in the deep, dark despair of being embarrassed that I didn't do enough. I failed as a spouse. I failed as a mother. Um, fail, fail, fail. Well, fail stands for first attempt in learning or further attempt in learning. And it was my friends that helped me understand that. Yeah. So now that's the past. I don't live in the past. I remember the past. I remember the lessons that I learned so I can help other people. Um, Ryan is missing and I pray that he's on this side of heaven. And if he's not, I know where he is because my kids grew up in the church. I just want to know as a mom. Yeah. Then my younger son is 25, doing really well, but he has a tough time still. Every once in a while, he'll get in. And that's when he knows he needs to reach out to friends. Yeah. And he shouldn't be ashamed of doing that. Because they need him as much as he needs them. Again, we don't know what, what we're all dealing with. So it, it took a while. Um, it took us a while to get back on our feet. I mean, we went on food stamps and it was a long story with, with the life insurance and all that. We went from, you know, I, I had to buy a new, sell my house, buy a new house in six weeks. I started off as a receptionist. I hadn't worked for 15 years. Yeah. Um, we had to rebuild our life. And I am who I am because of and in spite of the circumstances. But now I see the joy in life. Um, I want to spread that joy. My friends know me as the human exclamation point. Thus, 
the exclamation point. Yeah. And even my logo for my consulting and coaching business has exclamation points on it. Yeah. So I, I've told, I've since remarried. So Sean and I met on match.com. He was in the Navy reserve and oh, I told him I didn't understand his acronyms. <laughs> so I convinced him to, to, to the Air Force. So I'm a recruiter too. You're welcome, Air Force. <laughs> you're in. <laughs> right, exactly. But um, I've I've told Sean and and Ben. I said on my tombstone because the day will come. I want I want my birth date and my death date with an exclamation point in between. Yeah. Because I lived my life with joy, with passion, with, as my grandmother would say, with gumption, <laughs> with grit. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I, and, and can you imagine walking through a cemetery and seeing this headstone with an exclamation point in between? What would you think? What would you think of that person? I would smile and be like, yeah, they they just, they lived it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And when you can shine on and when you can, can help people just smile, um, even when you're six feet under. <laughs> My mom, bless her heart, um, I tell you, she was a fantastic woman. She she passed away in 2016 unexpectedly, but she had always said, um, I want a party, a celebration of life, and it's called a fun roll, not a funeral. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So we had fun at her fun roll. <laughs> That needs to be a word in the dictionary. Yes, it does. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing th those very intimate details. Like that's, um, it's hard to say out loud. It's hard to hear, but I think it's important for us all to hear. And be because you can at the other side, like, have an exclamation exclamation point i can't say that word um you can get through it michelle yeah everyone can get through it but not alone mm -hmm. and that's to me that's what resiliency is all about it's not about bouncing back because when you bounce back you're typically in the same spot i do not want to be in the same spot mm -hmm. i want to get through it but we don't do it alone because there are other people that have gone through something similar. And when we can tell our story and then let people get in touch with us if need be, or, you know, it, it, we do life together. Mm -hmm. Life is a four letter word. Is it a negative four letter word or is it a word like play and love? Those are four letter words. Mm -hmm. And golf, you know, <laughs> or, or free is a four letter word. Free is an acronym for foster relationships energetically everywhere. You just like pulled it out of the hat. You're so 
Uh, I'm writing a book on acronyms, <laughs> but not the boring ones like DOD, yeah. you know, Department of Defense, <laughs> MOS or AFSC, you know, no, um, the, the good ones, fail, fear, false evidence appearing real, free, no, next opportunity. Mm -hmm. Our kids are really good at that one. Yeah. If dad says no, they find the next opportunity with mom. <laughs> it's true. I'm curious, what what would you say to um, either a service member or their, their loved one who's going through um, thoughts of suicide, contemplating suicide, you know, some somebody who hasn't hasn't completed yet. What would you say to somebody who's who's been on the other side of it all? I would I would ask them to to think about their family and their community. Um, to think about asking for help. There are so many resources out there um, uh, available to them. I would. I would stick with them. I would stay with them it were, if it was a personal, uh, yeah, drop everything. I know it's not convenient. So many times, you know, um, asking that question, are you thinking about suicide? Are you thinking about taking your life? We don't ask that question because I think we're afraid of the answer. Mm -hmm. Because if the answer is yes, what do we do with that? Yeah. And that's where I think we, as a military community, spouse, service member, even veteran, why are veteran veterans? Yeah. Because they raise their right hand to take the oath of service. So I call our active duty pre-veterans. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, where we find the resources that are needed, the chaplains, I foot stomp the chaplain's office 100% confidential and you do not have to step foot in their, in a church service mm -hmm. um, to be, and they are equipped with the tools that we need um, to help combat this, this battle that we're waging in our own lives. Um, but when we know the resources available, so, we feel comfortable to ask, are you thinking about taking your life? Because it's amazing when someone notices, is a noticer and so empathetic when they can when they can verbalize that, mm -hmm. it kind of takes that person, it, it, it shocks them sometimes into, into realize, oh, someone notices, someone sees me, they care about me. Um, it, it, can make all the difference in the world. But if you are equipped with the resources available, um, it makes it so much easier. And it's how do we get over those barriers? So one of the things I did two years ago is working with uh, Senator Cory Gardner from the state of Colorado and coming up with a three digit number for mental health um, emergency. So right now the National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 10 numbers. Yeah. Um, and most people can remember if they've heard it, they know the last four spell talk, T-A-L-K. Right. 
So, um, so we have a, things. yeah, yeah, but I can't. When we have a, a medical emergency, we dial 911. Yeah, easy to remember, right? So, um, I, I helped with legislation to get 988 as the new national suicide prevention hotline. Now, it's not active. It went through the Congress, it passed the Senate, and President Trump, uh, former President Trump, uh, signed it into executive order that the uh, FCC has until the summer of 2022 to uh, establish 988 as the new national suicide prevention line. Wow. So instead of 10 numbers, so when you're in the dark, deep depths, you don't have time to look up yeah. numbers, but more importantly, when someone you love and care about is in the dark, deep depths, mm -hmm. you can get on the phone and call for them, 988. I am so excited that um, it, it finally passed. It's going to be a little while, but that's just one more barrier to, yeah. to break down. That's incredible that you, I mean, one, thank you for being involved with that because like I said, like I've seen the number hundreds of times. I know I've handed it mm -hmm. to people, but like I had to Google it real fast. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I love that it could just be three numbers that, you know, 988, I already have it. There you go. Yeah, good. All right. <laughs> I good. like I can't wait for it to be enacted. I <laughs> <laughs> just got to get that going, so. One step at a time, though. But I, right, I, right. I appreciate that answer because that is like that's a really hard question to ask, and I think one. I wonder if we um, think it enough while we're mm -hmm. talking to somebody, um, but also do we have the courage to act on it enough? And I hope I hope that all of us listening, and I don't mean like I hope you listeners are courageous enough, like claiming that I have that courage. Um, but honestly, like one of the biggest reasons why I do this podcast series is because I like, I need the reminders just as much as anybody like this needs to be a common conversation. And uh, not that because I want it to be a part of everybody's da daily life, but because I, I know we all need to be prepared for the moment that we, um, that we don't want to face, but that somebody needs us and we need to be ready. Um, so yeah, I hope, I hope we have the courage to ask the question if it pops up in our mind, like if, if you have the thought that somebody is struggling, then ask them. And if they say no, then it's like, awesome. Something's bugging you though. You know, like, yeah, it doesn't mean that, you know, that's not a condemning question. It doesn't have to be that way. I think, um, I don't know. So I'm speaking for myself. Mm -hmm. For a long time, I didn't trust my gut and my heart. You know, if things would come to my mind or weighed heavily on my heart, I didn't trust my intuition. And now I do. Mm -hmm. I do. In fact, I was having, um, I was meeting with a friend last night and she was talking about something and I just stopped her and I said, wait a minute, something is not right. It. I, this is, Mm -hmm. I, I feel heavy. My heart is heavy for you. What's going on? And it took her by surprise and she just opened up and 
she was going through a situation that she didn't know that I had gone through a number of years ago. So here it is. Yeah. I'm, I'm help, you know, I'm tutoring her through the lesson or helping her navigate through the lessons that she's going through. Um, so it, it's really listening to our own intuition and being, um, being brave enough to say, I have this feeling for a reason mm -hmm. and I need to get outside my comfort zone because this person's life may depend on it. Yeah. Their community may depend on it. Yeah. An important lesson for us all. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank, thank you again. Like, thank you so much for sharing. I know your story is very, very impactful. I mean, all those acronyms are super helpful. <laughs> you just come up with like you you have um you bring so much awareness but you also bring so much light and I appreciate everything that you do and everything you are. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um last question if somebody wants to connect with you if they want to learn more if they want to get involved with everything you're doing what's the best way for them to do that? Um I think the best way is uh through my email, mm -hmm. it's uh, and my email is K as in Kristen, L as in lovable, <laughs> Christy C H R I S T Y at Comcast.net. Okay, that that would be the best way, and I will give you a phone number too. I have a phone number. It's six two zero three zero four. Hope. Is that your really? That's awesome. It is hope. So, and and if I can just tell you a little bit about the three zero four. Yeah. Uh, the third month is March. The fourth day is March. Is the fourth of March. Yeah. So this year, uh, I I heard today uh, from the Biden people that uh, my initiative of having a National Resilience Day is going to happen this year. I've been working on it for eight years. I went to the State of the Union last year in 2020 uh -huh. and it was supposed to happen, but the whole COVID thing. Yeah. Um, but it's March 4th because no matter what the obstacle, we put one foot in front of the other and we march forth and conquer. That is so awesome. I am so excited for you. That is so cool. So if there's one day a year that we can get out of bed, hold our heads up high, pull our shoulders back and say, I've survived and I can help other people survive. Yeah. I want it to be March 4th. It just, it, it means so much to me and it has for a long time. In fact, that's my anniversary. Um, I told Sean when he proposed to me, I said, yes, I'll marry you, but it has to be on March 4th. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's just a mindset change. Yeah. But it's funny because Fort Bragg has asked me to come do a ruck march Ooh. on March 4th. And so I'm looking at incorporating that into my training. And um, I'd love to do March. Uh, it's almost like a march for resources. So during this march with heavy things in the rucksack, you get to take some things out that stand for an emotional, uh, something emotional in your life. Yeah. And then you find out about different resources uh, throughout the March. So very excited about that. That is so cool. I want to hear more about that. If yeah. You, yeah. It's, um, 
yeah, we'll we'll connect and and do that, and then uh, be on the lookout for March fourth and conquer the National Resilience Day. That is so cool. That's awesome. I'm so that yeah. <laughs> that just makes me happy. That, that's a thing. Thank now. you. That's congratulations. That's that's Thanks. that's a big deal. Wow. Cool. Well, thank you again <laughs> on that note, guys. Thank you so much. Um, again, you know, just if anybody out there is struggling, please just remember that you matter and you care. And if nothing else, then Michelle, Michelle I can't even say my own name. If nothing else, then Michelle Bowler and Kristen Christie really yeah. want you here and we really care. And, um, and if you are struggling with a loss, again, we are here and we care. And um, I know that like there's so much on this podcast episode that will help people who are hurting. So my heart goes out to Kristen. My heart goes out to all of you guys. Thank you so much for being on the show, Kristen. And Winnie Warriors, just remember, just because it's hard doesn't mean it has to be miserable. Thanks again, Kristen. And hope is not canceled. That's a good one. That's a good ending. Bye, guys. Hey, Waiting Warriors. If you are in the middle of a deployment, heading into one, or shoot, you're just a military spouse who wants to like get ahead of the deployment game, I have created a free resource just for you. It's a PDF file called Three Ways to Set Up Your Marriage for a Successful Deployment. It is three quick things that you can do with your spouse that I've done with mine that really helped us through our number of separations. If you're watching on YouTube, there will be a link just in the caption. You can go to my website, thewainingwarriors.com, and there's a yellow link with it on the top right, or you can go to subscribepage.com slash three, like the number three ways to set up your marriage for a successful deployment. Okay. There will be a link in the bio in the show notes if you need it. Go check that out. Please take care of yourself. Take care of your marriage. Be intentional and let me help you through this.